from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe, from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay. And for this week's episode, Stuart Zahn joins again for part two of our discussion on the prospects in the upcoming NBA draft. If you missed part one that uh, we released last week, go check that out where we covered Stuart's top six prospects on his big board. And uh, this week we will uh, cover sort of the back half of his lottery big board, as well as some, some other guys that I thought were worth mentioning. But, of course, Stuart has done a lot of fantastic work with RollCallSportsNet.com, where he's done a a bunch of uh, draft profiles on uh, on all the guys of interest here uh, for uh, for the draft on Thursday night. So be sure to check that out. You can also follow Stuart on Twitter at S-Zahn, Zahn spelled Z-A-H-N underscore B-Ball. And uh, he he posts a lot of fun uh, draft content on there as well. Of course, he he is the expert in this discussion. I uh, I, I did some prep and uh, watched some some highlights, some clips of these guys. And of course, I'm I'm uh, an, an opinionated fella, so uh, I uh, disagreed with him at times. But of course, he is uh, the expert here. I hope uh, I hope you enjoy the second part of our conversation. The next guy on your list is a bit of a surprise. I think you're a lot higher on this guy than than from what from most that I have seen, but. Uh, Zaire, am I pronouncing Zaire Williams? Is that correct? Zaire Williams. Okay, so six eight wing seems like a very very good athlete, uh, a versatile perimeter defender, moves his feet well. You know, just in terms of his production, there are some concerns. He was under thirty percent from three, averaged less than a block, less than a steal per game, had a you know a negative assist to turnover ratio. But, but at the same time, the, those production concerns are offset because there were some issues during the season with COVID, right, and, and some yeah. injuries as well. Yeah. So I also will note that uh, even after I sent you my board last night, this was one player that I did switch with the next player. Um, okay. Just a, small, just a small note. But, yeah, Zaire, like, I think you said he was a great athlete. Um, I don't see that. Like, I think he's a, he's like an NBA sized wing, but in terms of athleticism, I thought he has like really quick feet. Um, He's light on his feet just because he doesn't weigh a whole lot. Um, I think he's got, you know, adequate lateral ability. Um, He's got long ish strides, but I think a big problem for him you know, strength is an obvious one, but just kind of uh, flexibility in general, being able to like get low on drives or 
um, you know, having that or like being able to get low just to explode in general. Um, one of the problems I, I had with him was just how low his rim frequency was like just 16% of his half court field goal attempts were at the rim. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you went through his uh, statistical profile and, and if it was, if you just said player a, and then listed off his statistical profile, probably no one would have him in the first round. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, it was really rough. Um, but like you mentioned, there was a lot of things going on with Stanford where, you know, just with all the, the COVID restrictions and they, they were living out of a hotel for a lot of their, their season. And they weren't, you know, they didn't have regular practices or like getting to work out, which is something he definitely needed. Yeah. Um, also the team had a lot of different injuries throughout the year. Um, and he was missing time with other personal things. And it's like, so it was really choppy year for him, obviously not the kind of year he, he wanted. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, is more the, the evaluation is much more film based than it is uh, statistical based. Um, because when you when you have a guy who's six, eight and who shoots the ball as beautifully as he shoots it with as high as he shoots it, like it's hard not to to really fall in love with that. Um, and there was, you know, there's one play in the Colorado game where he uses a screen and he snakes his way to the elbow and he just rises up and hits that. And that's something where it's like, I could see that be a very repeatable thing for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's certain plays versus like Alabama where like he uses a screen and he just gets to the baseline and just rises up and hits a shot. Um, And it's like these kind of just untouchable shots that I think are, are not, are, are very reachable for him to be, um, to become repeatable uh, with those looks. And then his three-point shot, I know the percentage was, like you mentioned, below 30, but I think he's a guy that has very easy range. Um, I think he has good touch, uh, just didn't, didn't translate this year, but he's a guy that you give him a screen even from like a little bit beyond the three-point line, I think he's someone that's just going to be able to rise up if you go under or if you know, the switch isn't out in time. Like, I think he's just going to rise up and hit that shot. And I saw enough playmaking flashes of like hitting the, the pocket pass or like hitting the roller where once those dominoes start to fall of, of him attracting two defenders that far out, like he's very easily going to be able to hit the short roll, whether it's with that, uh, pocket pass on the bounce or, you know, he's 6A, he can just throw it over the top. Um, I just see a very real offensive weapon in his entire profile. I get that the stats aren't where you like them, but I've seen enough that if you put the pieces together, you have a very dangerous offensive weapon. Yeah, so it's funny you mentioned the the idea that, I think you said 16% of his shots in the half court were were at the rim. And that was one of the the notes I had. Yeah. I said the, you know, his shooting form, yes, looks very solid, very repeatable. But I said he, do, he doesn't seem to utilize his athleticism in the half court. It's a yeah. lot of he just seems to be very pull-up happy. Yeah. Uh, and, 
Yeah, that that can work if you're at like a Paul George level as a shooter. Or like a Chris Middleton. Right. But uh, if the shot isn't maybe as good as you're projecting, then those concerns of him not having that varied offensive game, uh, you know, not getting to the free throw line, not getting to the shots at the rim, yeah. not, you know, drawing in the defense to open up yeah. some some passes to create some ball movement that's where it's a, it's a bit of an issue. So it, it seems like his uh, ceiling is highly reliant on that shot being very, very good. It is. And it's reliant on him developing that flexibility and being able to, cause like if you're watching him, even just using those screens, like I mentioned before, um, he's not exactly like, super fluid he's kind of he's kind of stiff as he's using it um i don't think he's going to deal with you know really physical point of point of attack defenders all that well i think they're going to be able to push him away from where he wants to go um the difference is just like the height and and the shot release um and the shot aesthetics like it's just something that i can't help but buy in on um despite you know the poor statistical profile or, or the poor strength level, which is something that isn't as far from impossible to improve on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He'll be an interesting one. And yeah, given all of those crazy circumstances uh, in, in, uh, in that last college season, you could, you could certainly understand guys maybe not producing at the highest of level given, given all of those obstacles. But uh, so you had Zaire Williams at eight. So let's talk about the guy you had at seven then, which is uh, Jalen Suggs. Yeah. And Suggs, of course, uh, starred at Gonzaga. He's a uh, around a six four guard. But, uh, you know, just from from watching again, I didn't watch a lot of college ball, but I did catch a little bit of uh, Gonzaga's uh, run in the final four or whatever. And Mm -hmm. He seemingly always was was playing bigger than his size. Just from watching him out there, getting some shot blocks and playing big, he he almost plays like a wing, even though he's a guard. Yeah, I mean, I would still categorize him as a guard, um, but yeah, he plays really stout stout defense. Um, plays bigger than he is. He, he's super physical. Like if you haven't heard, he he played quarterback in in high school. Um, <laughs> But another another thing that I think is almost more important is he played safety as well. Um, and you can just tell by the way he, he maps the court um, offensively and defensively. Um, and just the physicality he brings, I think that's something that he probably gets from football where he has this like football type athleticism where he's, you know, has such a quick reaction time and is able to um, adapt to whatever is needed on the court at that specific moment. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, making quick decisions to like go block a shot at the rim or like jump a passing lane or stuff like that. Like he's, he's really incredible at, um, yeah. So as an overall athlete, I think he's, he's, he's really good. And I think a lot of it has to do with the coordination, the timing versus actual, um, like the highlight type athleticism that you get from guys like Keon or Jalen green. Um, I think Suggs is going to be a, a, a more than competent athlete at the next level. And like, I don't even know where to begin diving in on him because I, I really love his game. I think uh, 
I mean, we could start with the decision making. You know, the quarterback comp is sometimes seems overstated, but really, like you can see it on a possession by possession basis, where like he's really manipulating uh, weak side defenders with his eyes. Um, he's very conscious of of where their de- where the defender's vision is. Um, so like he'll time up his passes when defenders are turning their head away from him so that they're not getting a hand up and tipping passes. Um, he makes great decisions overall, uh, in the open court. He's probably, he was probably one of the best transition passers. Um, it helps having a bunch of teammates that know how to run the floor as well. Um, he, I mean, he played in a great context, but he was, he really amplified his teammates in a way that not many prospects could. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he just, he, he takes all the little advantages that are available to him when he does it every time. So it, it just always puts pressure on a defense when if you slip up just a little bit here or there, or you're not fast enough running back. Like he's someone that will punish you for it. Yeah. He, you know, we, we talked about uh, Franz Wagner earlier and one of my concerns was his was his shooting. He shot around 34% from three, but you mentioned Wagner shot around 83% from the free throw line. Suggs also kind of a 33, 34% three-point shooter at Gonzaga. He shot 75% at the uh, the free throw line. So like Wagner, I feel like uh, they're they're pretty versatile on both ends of the court. And the shot will kind of unlock a lot of the different things that they do well. And yeah, you, you mentioned Suggs, his passing. I also noticed that I, I really liked the look of his, uh, his floater game uh, looked pretty impressive. And yeah, he's just, uh, I, I always love those just competitive feisty guys. And he's certainly mm-hmm. one of them. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're a team that selects Suggs, like um, you're not going to regret it. Like he's a guy that is going to be a, a leader and, and a coach on the floor at times. Um, he'll, he'll, get guys focused because he's focused pretty much at every moment. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I don't know if I would categorize him as like that he could be your franchise player because that's just right. so tough to do as a guard. Um, but he can be your franchise point guard. Um, like just to, I mean, I, one of the comps I, I kind of liked for him was, was Lowry. Um, just like a really stout point of attack defender. Um, he's going to be smart off the ball. He's, you know, I don't know if he's going to take charges quite like Lowry because um, it's hard to be at that level, but he's going to be in the right spots. He's going to, he's not afraid to compete at any moment. Um, and then offensively, he'll, he'll make all the right decisions and he'll do it every time. Um yeah, but that pull-up is one of the big things that's going to um, make or break, whether he's like an all-star level guy or just like a really strong quality point guard. So he was at 33.7% from three. Uh, let's see, off the dribble shooting was really good per synergy. He was in the 93rd percentile. Um, wow. I think I don't have like a ton of confidence because I think he's been – so he's a guy that I've actually seen live a couple times. Um, Cause I'm from Minneapolis. I've seen him play at Minnehaha a couple times. Um, 
I actually find that his shooting from deep is a little streaky. So, like, there are games, like, uh, against Iowa early in the year, I think he had maybe six or seven threes uh, where he can get hot. Um, I think some of the timing from – so he gets pretty good elevation on his shot, but I think some of the timing is, is of the release in coordination with – his uh, elevation is sometimes off and that's the way he has some of those misses. Um, it's kind of tough thing to, to pin down exactly. Um, but I don't, is there something about it that I don't trust entirely, but like it, like the, the upper body mechanics look, the, look about the same every time. It's just how much lower leg input he, he puts in, in each shot. I think can sometimes range. Um, and that's kind of a hard thing to, to keep consistent if it's not already consistent, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. That'd be something that you would hope a shooting coach would hone in on and really get him to concentrate on. And you'd have, you'd probably have to spend, you know, an entire off season just like really focused on, okay, we're going to, we're going to tape it. And you're going to be thinking about this every time to the point where, then you you make it a habit, and then you don't have to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, he uh, he's a guy that I like. Again, I, I think he's another guy that maybe doesn't have the highest ceiling in the world, but has a pretty high floor. I think he's just going to be a solid solid player in the league. And you mentioned him as just as a point guard, but I, I like him as a versatility of playing some shooting guard as well. I think he can mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth. And with, for instance, if he were drafted by Toronto, you know, he can he can play some two with your Van Fleets or your Malachi Flynn's and yeah. do that reasonably well. Yeah. He he's a basketball player. So like whether he's on or off the ball, like I trust that he's going to uh, take the little advantages that are uh, given to him. So let's say he's off the ball and his defender is ball watching. Like he's someone that's going to take advantage of that and back cut, or he's someone who, if he's on the perimeter, and uh, his teammate is driving his way, he's going to relocate along the, the, the three-point line to get a little bit more more open, better spacing, and, and knock down open shots. So like, Or if he's a connective passing piece on a specific play, like, yeah, he's someone that I think is just always going to um, make teams pay for, make defense, defenses pay for, however they play him or his team. Yeah. So the next guy you had on your list is a, is a guy, another G league guy and Jonathan Kaminga mm-hmm. and watching his uh, watching some, some clips from him. I found myself incredibly low on Kaminga and I, I understand the appeal. I, I feel like it's almost destiny that Oklahoma city will draft him with the sixth selection because they love just raw athletes, and that's what Kaminga is. But I struggle to fi- to be confident in any part of his game <laughs> other than the athleticism. Mm-hmm. So, and honestly, I don't even think his athleticism, like I think it's a little bit uh, overrated. Um, I think it's definitely very good. And when you're six seven, six eight, I think his height is a little bit of a mystery because it's listed at different, different heights and different places. But yeah, with, 
with his level of athleticism, like I think it's it's really good, really solid. Um, it's just being that big with that kind of athleticism is why it stands out. Um, yeah, but yeah. I I don't blame you for being skeptical on him. Um, he's someone that uh, I watched a fair amount of of high school film and a little bit of AU film on him as well, and yeah, like if you look through his like synergy profile pretty much everything is below average um (laughs) pretty much everything is below average except for pick and roll ball handler which is excellent although it was just 19 percent or 19 possessions um it's just like it's it's very troubling just like watching the film uh of the ignite because you know going into this year I had him pegged as more of a a wing prospect. Um, And with the Ignite, he seemed more like a a 3.5 or a 4, where he was more of a scoring forward, which I thought he he showed some really nice footwork scoring out of, like, the mid post um, or attacking the rim. Um, I really liked seeing that stuff, but I did not see the – the same like kind of or like the requisite level of ball handling that would that I would have liked from a guy who I want as potentially this this big wing um, ball handler so I mean that was so like I'm still that's why he's still at nine is because this little bit of slimmer of hope that he could you know turn it around and and still become that big wing but yeah, I'm I'm definitely a lot lower than I was to begin the year. Yeah, his the production was not really there. I think I saw he shot 38% from the field, like 24% from three, something around there. Not uh, not too promising. And you know, certainly there have been prospects that came in incredibly raw, and you didn't really know exactly what type of player they were going to be. I think Aaron Gordon is a good example of this. He's a, I mean, Gordon is six, nine though, compared to potentially Kaminga at six, seven, but Gordon came in and you, you really didn't, he was just an athlete, right? When he was coming out of college, you didn't know exactly what he was going to become. And then same with like Russell Westbrook in the, at the point guard position, he would be the, you know, he was very much kind of just in a blank page. You had no idea what that athleticism was going to turn into. Um, but but yeah, you you brought up like the he he looked decent at times, kind of facing up, post moves, footwork type things, and yeah, you wonder like okay if he's if he's more of a wing defensively, he can't really defend centers, then he's going to be guarded by wings, and the NBA has a lot of really talented athletic wings that that the teams can throw on a guy like him. You know, he's going to have to beat the likes of Kawhi Leonard and OG Ananobi and LeBron James. And, um, you know, just having some some decent footwork and a decent uh, and decent quickness is not really going to get it done. You need genuine skill to score over those guys. And, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just very concerned. I I understand, you know, especially if if we're talking. Yeah, you've got him as the 10th prospect in this draft. If you're picking at 10, I completely would understand the rationale to take him because there is upside just given his his size and athleticism. 
But uh, boy, would I if if I was a GM and I drafted him, I would not feel comfortable the following morning. Yeah, yeah that is definitely the feeling. I, I would be uh, very nervous for that first uh, for his whole rookie year. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just there was just enough flashes that I kind of had to keep him in the top ten because um, there was there was you know every so often there was like this really encouraging pass that he made um, that made me think, Oh, maybe there's still a little bit of wing initiator in him. Um, And that's kind of what I'm still clinging to. He's a guy that after I sent you kind of my lottery board last night, he's a guy that is almost like in a space in between those tiers. So I have him at nine Zaire Williams was at the end of, of that tier of six or so guys. Kaminga is the one guy that I have floating in between these two, these next two tiers, just because, you know, if, if he really does develop into that wing, um, he, he launches himself into this next tier. Um, it's just, there's so many questions that I feel like after watching the G league ignite season, you're left with even more questions. Um, which is typically not the way you'd want a prospect to go about their season. Um, finishing wise, I think he's going to be very effective um, just with his size and his uh, solid athleticism. Um, but yeah, so, like, quick, quick, the, quick question. You know, I've heard, I've heard you and, and others suggest that he is a, is a pretty good finisher. So where does the, where does the 38% field goal rate come from? Is that just bad shot selection? Is that uh, he's taking a bunch of threes that's dragging that down? Where does that come from? Yeah, I think, I think it is shot selection. Um, I mean, while he was utilizing like really good footwork on some of these um, like mid post or like face up situations, like he was getting decent looks, just not hitting them at the level you'd like. Um, so I think the the foundation is there and I actually don't dislike his mechanics. Um, I mean, I, I saw different seasons of him in high school and actually really liked his form. Um, but yeah, the results are, are far from what you you'd want. You're able to give him a little bit of slack just because of his size and athletic profile. Um, you want to invest in someone with that much size who, who could potentially shoot. And I get that that's kind of a hard sell at times, but I think there is a lot of upside in him. Um, Again, that's all the Oklahoma city thunder and Sam. Preston yep. is, uh, he's got yep. potential to shoot. Uh-huh, right. And, and then just like moving on to the defense, I thought, it, I mean, I thought it was a big contrast between him and Jalen green. I thought, Kaminga seemed a little bit disinterested at times or like he wasn't uh, super focused. Um, And you could kind of, so one thing I did think was interesting um, from the G league season is they had him at the point of attack at times where he was Hmm. guarding, he was defending guards um, like legitimate point guards. Um, And I don't think he was all that bad. Um, he had some nice moments, but there were too many other moments where like, he just wasn't in a stance and wasn't ready and kind of gets blown by because of that. 
Yeah. Uh, or in the same way that Green was kind of not ready for ice coverage at times, like Kaminga was like that, but it did not improve in the same way that it did for Green. Um, so that's another troublesome thing where it's like, okay, we do have, it is a small season. I think it was like 15 or so games, 15 plus games. But for Kaminga, like, okay, so we saw Jalen Green get better at it throughout the season. Why wasn't Kaminga getting any better at it? Um, like you can see with his tools, like he could be that same kind of weak side rim protector. I think it was the first game of the season. He had a, a monster block right at the end of the game to kind of seal the win. Um, but you just didn't see that enough um, as, or as much as you'd want to. Um, I think like he has the length and, and the mobility and the recoverability to like make plays like his steal and block percentages were, were decent. Um, but it's just not a guy that you saw as like a consistent habitual defender. Um, and I think he's very far away from being that. Um, and like Mike Schmitz from ESPN has, uh, a couple videos where he breaks down film with Kaminga and, it didn't seem like Kaminga had a, a great grasp of um, kind of what was going on in the film. Like mm-hmm. sometimes seemed like Mike Schmitz had to like kind of guide him through like what was going on. Um, so that wasn't super encouraging to see. It yeah. didn't seem like Kaminga was super vocal during the, um, during that interview. And I think, I mean, not that you have to be uh, a really great interview to to be a good draft pick or a good basketball player, but I think team teams who interview him might be turned off a little bit by that because, like, if I see him as you know this wing initiator, he probably is going to have to be more vocal. Um, like, if he's going to be like a number one or a number two guy, um, I'd want to see a lot better communication from him uh, or communication skills. And it's not, so something that I think could impede him from really reaching the ceiling. Well, yeah. And, and, and not just the being sort of soft-spoken, but just the basketball IQ, you know, if he's struggling to uh, perceive what's happening in a uh, interview with Mike Schmitz. And, and as you said, it maybe didn't show the signs of progress over the course of the season that you would like to see. That could be a sign that, that he, uh, you know, doesn't quite have the, the basketball intelligence that you would hope for from, from, a, from a prospect. Yeah. But uh, there is an element of like fear of missing out on him for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to the next guy uh, on your list, and it's a player that, uh, similar to Kaminga, has uh, has has some really intriguing tools. In mm-hmm. Kai Jones, the big man from Texas, played just 22 minutes a game, but uh, showed off some fantastic straight line speed. He looks like a gazelle yeah. running the floor, yeah. and uh, he he also seems to be a pretty a pretty fluid athlete. And, and really only apparently only started playing basketball when he was 17. So has not been playing for very long. So similar to like a Pascal Siakam or a Hakeem Olajuwon, guys that start late maybe are able to improve at a later age as well. 
but uh, you know, he, he still seems very raw as a prospect. Mm-hmm. And, and I almost went, I was thinking about a guy like Jackson Hayes uh, from, from the draft a few years ago where uh, you know, it's probably going to take a few years, but I, I honestly kind of liked what I saw out of Kai Jones a little bit more than I did for Hayes. Yeah. I think Kai Jones exhibited a lot better ball skills or at least flashes of ball skills than what Jackson Hayes had, where Hayes was um, almost exclusively like a play finisher where, you know, he could catch monster lobs and throw those down um, and had great hands catching, you know, pocket passes and whatnot. I think Kai Jones shows a lot more with the ball in his hands on the perimeter, whether it's attacking closeouts or, or even pulling up. Um, his off the dribble shooting numbers there, there wasn't a ton of possessions and it wasn't super effective, but there were certain, uh, moments where like he took a shot off the dribble and it looked really good. Um, and it's something that I don't see why it couldn't be repeatable is his free throw percentage was a little bit below 70%. So maybe not as strong as you would hope, but for someone who's six eleven and just really long, um, there is a lot of intriguing upside. Um, I don't like. I think there's there's a very slim, pers- or slim portion of his distribution of outcomes where he's actually like taking the ball off the dribble. Um, I'm gonna say like KD, but there's no. There's no prospect that you can compare directly to KD. I'm just saying like a really lengthy, tall guy who can just pull up over anyone. Like I think Kai Jones has a little bit of that potential. Um, and that's really scary <laughs> yeah. uh, for opponents. Um, and then on top of that, like he's got all the the kind of play finishing you'd like where he's, he's catching lobs. He's, um, using his length at the rim, he's dunking all the time. He's running the floor, so I think he's he's very easily going to fit into that play finisher mold. Where I think he could be, you know, scoring at the rim in all those ways, and then on top of that, potentially being a pick and pop guy. And then with, um, you know, his straight line driving ability, he can um, attack. You know, once that shot becomes like a reliable shot for him then he can tack in that ways. And then, and then that's where like, um, he just has a lot of different ways that he can be a play finisher. And, and that's kind of more of where I see him as versus the little bit of outcomes where he could be um, a ball handler. But I think that's, that's quite unlikely. Yeah. Uh, he is really kind of the, I, I feel like he has the potential to be everything you could want out of a modern big man. You, you brought up the, the, the vertical gravity on rolls to, to throw down lobs, the running the floor, the potential to shoot the basketball and space it, and defensively the, the rim protection plus the ability to move his feet a little bit on the perimeter as well. Uh, he uh, he uh, is a very intriguing prospect and somebody that, Unlike Kaminga, you know, you can sort of see what type of player, if he works, mm-hmm. what it is. Whereas I feel like Kaminga, I'm not really sure yet. Ambiguous there. Yeah. So uh, I frankly, I like 
I like Jones more than Kaminga. I think Jones might be outside of uh, outside of Mobley, really the, mm-hmm. the 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 second best big in this draft class. Yeah, I think Kai Jones would be the the closest thing to Mobley in this draft. I think there's a big gap there, but he would be, in my eyes, the closest thing. Um, I kind of see him as uh, a Christian Wood type big where he is that play finisher in a variety of ways. Um, he can be used in a lot of different actions, like in time, like it, obviously the, the shot has to, to fall at some point. And he was uh, over 38%, but just on 34 attempts. Um, but yeah, like the, the shooting, it looked good. Um, but I don't think he can, uh, be a play finisher in the the passing sense just because you know he had some just very small flashes his assist to turnover ratio was uh really bad um at like 0.44 at a 5.4 assist percentage so like he when he was catching the ball it was to score um and he filled that role well and i think that's the kind of role he'll have to fill at the nba level um I think with that fluidity, with that coordination, um, I think he'll be able to do that very well. And you mentioned it defensively. He's also versatile on that end. Um, like he was he was actually disrupting guards and disrupting real ball handlers like Cade or like Jared Butler, like these guys who are, you know, some of the the best ball handler or like best lead guards in this draft. And he was um, not just containing them, but but making them feel uncomfortable. And that's something you just don't get from a, a 6'11 guy very often. Absolutely. So the uh, the next guy that uh, is on your list is probably the most sort of prototypical 3 and D prospect in the draft, and that is Moses Moody. And uh, I got to see a little bit of him in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but uh, he's a guy that uh, w- which good for which was good for evaluators that he he did play a lot off the ball in on his college team's offense. So he uh, you know was able to contribute, knock down shots, play defense, and and do a lot of the things that I think whoever was drafting him would expect him to do once he gets to the NBA level. Yeah, in terms of role, he's probably one of the cleanest fits. Um, like he's, he's a guy that has done, has played that role at Montverde with their stacked high school team. Um, he comes to Arkansas. He's, he's productive. Um, he's been productive at EYBL. Um, I think there are, for me, there was some concerns about his overall athleticism. He just isn't super explosive whether it's first step or um, explosion at the rim. Um, And the rim uh, percentage was, was fine at like 53, but the film, it looked a lot more concerning where when he was actually playing against um, better competition, he kind of struggled versus that length. Um, I think a lot of times he was a below the rim level finisher, uh, so, I mean, I think, but I think having a simplified role for him where 
He's spotting up and hitting shots that way. I think catch and shoot, he was uh, 63rd percentile, but it was on a ton of possessions. Um, and then I think he's still got some upside as as a, a creator off the dribble just because of how long he is. Like he's only 6'6", six, six, um, but he's got uh, over a seven, or I think it's a seven foot wingspan. So I think he's going to be able to, uh, in in certain situations, be able to to hit shots off the dribble. Um, so I think there's a little bit of upside there. But in terms of being like a self creator, I wouldn't count on it from him. Right. I I when I watched him, I definitely see him as just yeah, purely a role player, a guy that's going to spot spot up hit shots you know if if the defender closes out you know maybe do the little sidestep to still get to a three and or if he makes the drive drive to just drive and kick you know a lot of guys are just driving to pass to just keep the the ball moving I can see him doing that reasonably well and you mentioned the wingspan I think that will be more helpful for him on the defensive end where if he gets beat he can recover he's he uh, he can contest really well even if he's laying off the guy a little bit so yeah I I see him as just a guy that a team and hopefully you know he he drops late enough that uh, a good basketball team can pick him up and he and he I think he can contribute to it to a good team as you said in a simplified role right Mm -hmm. out of the gate yeah I I like his decision making um especially in in a simplified role like he'll just make the right passes I mean as long as it's nothing too difficult um just playing off the ball he's really smart like he coming off the screens he reads them well he knows how to fade those screens if needed um he he times his cuts well he relocates he makes sure to like get in the passer's vision like he's doing all the little things to good offensive uh, rebounder yeah he he does the the little things that your your role players need to do um and then going back to the defensive side of the the ball I don't know if he's gonna be guarding quicker guards but I think um guarding some of those wings who aren't they're still quick but not as quick as the small guards I think he'll be a really solid um wing defender and he's a guy that's um very helpful uh, off the ball, smart positioning. Um, he, he even has a little bit of tools for rim protection, has good verticality at times. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be a really quality uh, quality player on both ends of the ball. Yeah, so the the next guy that uh, you've got on your list is another guy similar to Springer. I'm, I'm, I'm seemingly much lower on this guy than the, than the consensus, and that is Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. So Johnson, a guy that, uh, you know, has got good size. What is he? Six, nine, I believe. Yep. Six, nine, two twenty is what I got. So he has good size. He, uh, you know, has a decent amount of skill. He, he can handle it. He, uh, he's a, he's a good passer. Um, but the, the jumper looks really rough. I think I remember you mm-hmm. posted on Twitter, some shots of him shooting free throws Mm-hmm. and uh, how inconsistent the release was yeah. and how sort of ugly it looks. It seems like, uh, you know, he kind of, when he's doing those pull-ups, it's, it's almost like he's shooting on the way down. Yeah. Uh, there, there are a lot of question marks. And also, you know, just from an athleticism standpoint, 
Um, he seems, you know, okay, but I don't think he's anything special. And, and especially defensively, he looked like he was uh, able to get taken advantage of in terms of lacking that quickness, that lateral mobility. He got blown by. So it's, it's another thing where it's like, okay, who's this guy defending at the next level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jalen Johnson, it wouldn't take a whole lot of arguing for me to slide him down on my board. Um, but I think there is some or a lot of upside in like a six nine playmaker in the same way that I've had, you know, other large play potential playmakers higher on my board. Um, like I think he's, you know, he's got an NBA body right now. I think he's a a really good run and jump athlete. I think there are some um, maybe some first step stuff where it's not quite as fast as it needs to be. I don't know if his lateral ability is quite that great. Um, but like in terms of having a guy that big who's passing, zipping the ball all across the floor as fast as he can, um, I think he's got good vision, but I think his decision-making could be better. And, and like there are times where, you know, he's a good transition passer, but there are times where like he he's big. So he, he gets a lot of rebounds and he has grab and go um, opportunities. But I think there are times where he should make the hit ahead like right away, where instead of that, he likes to dribble the ball all the way up the floor. Yeah. And that advantage is kind of vanished by the time he crosses half court. Um, so I think there is a little bit of. um he's got to get the ball out of his hands quicker. There are times where like he caught the ball and just kind of like held it. So there's, there's a little bit of ball stopping to him for someone who's kind of pegged as this great passer. Um, I think he's like, his passing ability is really good. I just don't know if his passing decision-making is on par um, with that. Like, I think he's got a lot of, and I don't think it's that, it would be that difficult of an improvement. It would just be more of a, a mentality shift of like, when you catch the ball, like look to pass first. Um, because I think that could be a, a really big strength of his, um, in terms of his scoring in the half court, like it's very rigid just cause you know, guys are not going to respect his shot right away. Um, and for obvious reasons, Um, I think like he can get downhill decently, but like on some of his finishing, like, yes, he can dunk very easily, especially in space. Like he's putting guys on posters if needed, you know, he's physical, but like there are times where like, because his first step is not that great, he's not like, he's not getting past his defender. And usually like if you're shoulder level, like with his level of strength, he should be able to like you know, bump him off and be able to finish, but he kind of resorts to fading away um, on those finishes, which I think is a, is a bit of an issue. Um, A lot of what I'm saying is, is kind of negative, which is why like, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be hard for me to like drop him a couple pegs. Um, But yeah, like there's the shot, like just go check out um, that thread of mine on Twitter where it goes to the free throws. I don't, I don't show if it's a make or a miss. Um, and I just let the, uh, let people guess. Um, and man, his wrist is going all over the place on a lot of those free throws. Um, yeah. I think there's just a lot going on with his mechanics that are 
are very troublesome. Yeah. You know, the, I don't trust the jumper, as you said, I don't trust the first step. So then immediately it's like, okay, in the half court, how's this guy scoring? How's this guy utilizing? Yes. He's a good passer, but in the half court, if you, if the defenders don't respect your jump shot and you can't blow by them and and draw help, how are you utilizing your passing at that point? So to me, it's like, he's, he's only able to utilize that, that passing skill in the, in transition and, you already brought up that occasionally he he kind of gets selfish there where he wants to dribble it up and and show off his his skills when yeah just a quick pass ahead to a guard leaking out is the better option yeah i think if a a team can get him to buy into a role especially early in his career where you know he's playing the four but he can be you know a playmaking four where okay in certain moments you can you know get your rebound and push the ball and and look for guys. Um, Or maybe in the half court, we get you the ball in the mid post and you're looking to hit cutters out of split action or stuff like that. Or maybe you're catching on the short roll and making decisions that way. Because I think if he catches on the short roll, um, he can attack, he can apply a lot of rim pressure and then make those easy decisions out of that with the four on three. But um he just seems like a guy that kind of wants the ball in his hands and kind of sees himself as a primary. Like maybe I'm just reading this wrong, but like that's kind of the vibe I get from him. And that's not where I want him at least to start his career until he can prove some of these other things first. Yeah. And we're going to get to a prospect that kind of uh, is in the same mold, but when I look at a player defensively and I say, I, I don't think he's necessarily quick enough to defend wings and he's not big and strong enough really to be like a, a center defensively and a, and a, and an anchor, then it's like, okay, then you need to be awesome offensively at that point. And uh, I, I don't see that kind of ceiling for him on that end. So that's why I'm a little lower on him, but uh, yeah, the, the next guy on your, uh, on your list is the Australian 6'8 wing, Josh Giddy. And uh, as soon as I, I started rolling the tape on this guy, I immediately fell in love. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's very fun. He's an excellent passer. He can, he can pass with both hands. Um, the, the, the clips I, I was watching started with pretty much exclusively left-handed passes. And I'm wondering, oh, he's, is he a lefty? And <laughs> realize, oh, he's not a lefty. He's just that good finishing and or delivering like cross court cross court feeds with with the offhand but uh you know the the obvious concern with him is both the the jump shot and the defense i i i i don't trust him as a defensive player i he now i do trust him as sort of a a team help defender he's got a good basketball iq i think he'll execute scheme i think will be in the right spot i mostly don't trust him to uh you know to keep one one. in front of him exactly yeah and uh the the jump shot is interesting because when i saw his pull up sort of in the mid-range i said this doesn't look too bad you know Mm -hmm. but then when it went out to the three-point line it seemed like i don't know if it was something with his lower base but the the shot from distance looked troubling Mm -hmm. yeah so josh giddy is the the one player on this lottery board that i have that um I've done the least amount of film work on. Um, But from what I've seen, uh, I'd have him in this range as another, you know, I think he's at this point, apparently six, nine. 
It's like yeah. again, these these giant playmakers are kind of what I what I'm looking for. Um, and he's certainly a playmaker. Like his assist numbers was seven and a half per game. Um, in some of the the clips I'm watching, like he's racking up like five assists by the end of the first quarter, kind of thing. Um, he's a guy kind of like Suggs where like, if there's a guy open, like he'll hit him and he'll get it there quickly. Um, he's, he's a little bit upright when he's handling the ball. Um, but I think that's, that's something that could, uh, be an easy fix. Um, but yeah, his decision-making is just excellent. Uh, he's getting the ball all over the floor super quickly. Um, he sees the floor super well. Um, yeah. And like, in terms of the jump shot, I thought like, like you, I thought the mid range shot, you know, I thought he snaked to the elbows a couple times and had a nice couple nice elbow pull-ups. Um, the three point shot, I, I like the upper body mechanics, but there are times where when he shoots, he kind of splays his legs. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of had, he like finishes with his right foot forward on, on that shot. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but yeah, cleaning up that balance um, would be good. Be, for uh, him. It could just be sort of a building some muscle mass in the lower body as well. Yeah. And, and we got to understand that he is super young for this class. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to expect young guys to really be great shooters already. Um, so, so he's a, a 69% free throw percentage. Um, I don't like, I'm not, uh, against believing in, in his shot. So, I mean, offensively, he's a guy that, especially if you're uh, a team in the lottery and you're looking for, you're like kind of point guard of the future. I think Giddy would be a really great pick. And honestly, he's a guy that if I watch more film on, I'd probably be bumping him up higher and higher. Yeah, he he reminds me almost of like an ambidextrous version of Joe Ingles. Um, well, and, and obviously Joe Ingles improved his shot dramatically in his time in the NBA. So if if Giddy was uh, were ever to get to the level that Joe Ingles is as a shooter, I'm very confident he's going to be an mm-hmm. excellent offensive player. Uh, you know, I, I would describe him arguably as maybe the best passer in this class. I don't know if you agree with that. But uh, he he's making, as you said, all the reads. He can make the skip passes with either hand. Uh, he's got good manipulation. He, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if fairly soon he's doing the Joe Ingles pass fake, lay it in yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, he's just a he's just a very crafty guy. The big yeah, again the the big issue is like I I don't see him as a plus defender, even though I think he'll be a guy that plays hard and he'll mm-hmm. execute your scheme. Uh, he'll he'll just get attacked think, in, at the highest of levels. Yeah, I think he could get to a, a point where he's a neutral overall defender. But yeah, as an individual defender, like if he's just going to get cooked every time, like that's going to be an issue. Um, I think you also have to give him a bit of grace just because of his age. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I could see in in five years that like he develops more physically in that you know, he can, he can be at least sufficient, um, on ball, like obviously not guarding or defending like the quicker guards, but, um, in terms of just staying in front of, of his guy, 
Um, and even like that big, you could even hide them on um, maybe some fours or non-shooters or like relative non-shooters. And he's just reading the, reading the floor from the weak side. Um, yeah. But at, at his size, he can still be a very, um, at his size, he can make up for it defensively in, in certain ways. Yeah. And we probably don't give prospects enough credit to improve their athleticism. You know, we, we talk about all of the improvement, mostly from a skill standpoint, but guys can get more athletic. They can get a little bit uh, in better condition um, that, that can maybe help fix some of those problems. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's very possible that he looks better defensively than I'm giving him credit for, as you said, maybe when he, he uh, ages and, and gets a little stronger and more physical. But, uh, yeah, I, I like him. I, I think at the very least – He's a guy that uh, you can bring off your bench and have him be someone that you run some offense through. I think that is kind of his uh, floor to me, and that's a that's a solid player, especially when you're mm-hmm. when you're getting outside that top ten. It's like if you can get a rotation guy. I mean, look what the look at what the Phoenix Suns are getting from Cameron Johnson with the eleventh pick a couple of years ago. They're getting a guy that is a solid bench contributor, and that's that that's a great pick at that yeah. spot. I do think if you're picking Giddy, your hope is that he's kind of your your primary of the future. Um, but I do think just with his level of processing that he could play other roles too. Um, just like we talked about with with Jalen Green, that maybe I'll throw it to him in the mid post and and make reads from there. Or you know, if you have the kind of pull up shooter that that Giddy can can be that short roll guy where you know, you give Giddy a four on three, you're, you're almost surely going to get a, get the right look or the right shot. Yeah. And again, I, I mostly tend to evaluate all of these prospects from the lens of what are they on a championship team is kind of how I perceive all of this. So that's, that's why I think of Giddy as like, okay, he on a championship level team, he's playing like what Joe Ingles did for Utah, where he comes off the bench and uh, is, you know, at times a primary with the second unit. Um, so that's kind of what I see, but absolutely. I think on a lesser team, he could be your number one option eventually and, and, and be decent at it. Um, but, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a certainly a fun prospect to, uh, to, to watch. And I'm excited to see how he looks. The next guy you've got on your list is, uh, James book Knight. And, uh, he is a, a guard prospect. Also, I believe six five, similar to Jalen Green, right? As far as uh, height is concerned, uh, I noticed he he kind of shoots with the ball a little bit, slightly on the left side of his face. He's a right-handed shooter. It's almost like a, a left, a less drastic version of what Lonzo Ball had coming into the league. Uh, but it, it, it appeared to me that he was more comfortable pulling up, going to the left because of that, than he was going to his right. Uh- I did not notice that, but I, I might have to go back and check that out. Um, but yeah, Book Knight, he's got a bag. Like he's got one of the best Hezzy games probably in the um, in this draft class. He plays off that Hezzy really well. Um, in terms of his handle, like he's kind of got it all. Um, in terms of like complexity, he's got the in and outs. He can really get defenders leaning. Um, He's got great change of direction. He's got great, uh, he's got a really good first step. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do, 
with his flexibility because like he gets super low and he's like he's crouching um when he's got the ball in his hands and that that helps with the way he's able to to burst um it helps with the way he's able to decelerate um where he's almost in a lunging position on his stops and he stops just like on a dime with that um the shot off the dribble was was decent um, this past season, 59th percentile, according to Synergy. Um, but, like, I think you can really see if that – if he refines, like, the results of that, um, I think his process of getting those shots are going to be something that he could have moving forward. Um, yeah, in terms of, of scoring prospects, he's, you know, at, at the very least top five. I haven't done, like – I haven't scanned the whole draft board or anything like that, but um, in terms of scoring prospects moving forward, like he, he's one of the top. Um, he kind of reminds, and he's got like really good scoring off, off the ball too. He's got really sharp cutting. Um, he, he reads screens well, like any of the, the ways in which you want a prospect to be able to score, like he's kind of got it. Yeah. I um <laughs> Out of out of all the prospects, I think he's the one that I was most just sort of ambivalent on. He like uh, he, he seems like yeah he's going to be able to score at the next level. I uh, uh, I didn't love or hate really anything about his uh, his game. Um, I, I think he'll probably be in the league for ten plus years. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's going to be some sort of crazy difference maker in terms of um, competing at the highest of levels. But yeah, he's, he's got some interesting tools and, uh, you know, his, uh, there are enough concerns though, as well, where it's like, you know, his, his shooting percentage, you said 58 or 58 or 59th percentile in pull-ups, um, his, his three-point shooting percentage was just kind of whatever he, uh, has some some defensive breakdowns at times and uh also some some turnover issues decision making issues Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i i think if he's i i probably wouldn't take him as a uh, as a lottery pick to be honest i would probably be more comfortable taking him in the late teens early 20s range but uh i think most people are a little higher on him than i yeah, I'm probably not as high as, as some people who have him, like, firmly in the lottery. Like, for me, he's at 14 right now, and there's other guys that I haven't seen quite enough of, like JT Thor, Trey Mann, or Roko Prakachin, where, you know, if I saw enough of them, maybe they would kind of displace him so that he would fall in that same range that you were just talking about. Yeah. Um, so I actually – like his defense a little bit more than than what you have him as um like in terms of tools i think he's just tremendous laterally um he can be a really good point of attack defender um again how much value does that really give you not sure um but off the ball i thought he like yeah he he missed some some rotations at times um but i thought for the most part he was you know had quick reactions he was um, his rotations were just super quick. Like even if he didn't recognize it right away, he could cover that distance super quickly. Um, his foot speed is, is just incredible. So it kind of 
helps him out at times where like maybe the processing isn't quite there. Um, but I thought overall he made solid rotations defensively. Um, like I said, he covers ground well, so he, he's quick to get out to the perimeter. He's quick to like help the helper if need be on the interior. Um, so I think he should be a serviceable defender um, on top of having like uh, a really good scoring profile. Um, I know that the, the shooting numbers from three weren't great. Um, I think in part was because, you know, he ended up having to take some tough shots. Um, UConn's offense didn't exactly generate a whole lot. I think he could have done better as a, as a decision maker. Like there was a one game against, or a couple of games against Villanova where um, he did really well, you know, passing out of the pick and roll um, with his scoring gravity, he would draw two defenders and make passes out of that. Um, there's like a little bit of manipulation at times. Um, so I think there is a little bit of potential there, but like overall on the season, his decision-making was um, underwhelming, but I think there is, there is optimism there on his, on the decision-making front. So do I expect him to be like, uh, a lead guard, probably not, but I kind of see him as like a Gary Harris who actually can like handle and create a shot. What Gary Harris was like five years ago, essentially. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Um, I'll have to look more into dive more into his defensive film. Um, look, watch the USC game. Okay. I think that'd be a good one for his defense. Yeah. Um, so we, we've gone through your, essentially your, uh, your top 14. So the, the top 14 guys, if you were in control, you would probably take in the lottery. So I've got a few more names here to, to break down and we can kind of just do this sort of rapid fire, yeah. just talk about them for briefly and whether you like them, don't like them, what you like, what you dislike. Uh, the, the first guy is, uh, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, it's a European big man prospect, Alperin Sengun. I believe that's right. Um, I'm not. I heard, I heard Kevin O'Connor pronounce it Shengun, so I'm not sure which one's correct. Uh, I, you can't refer to me on it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I've seen very little of, I'm going to go with Sengun, um, very little of him, um, but from the little that I have seen, I see a super skilled offensive player. Um, problem is he's like six, nine, and it looks like it's more torso than, than legs (laughs) (laughs) at some points on, uh, at least on the screen. Um, I think that could, uh, have problems for him, like in terms of like stride length. Um, I didn't really, love his finishing ability i think it works in the the league that he's in but i think against nba level length and athleticism it's going to be a bit of an issue i don't know if his shooting numbers were great but the shot looked fine i didn't from what i watched i didn't see a ton of defense but from the the athleticism that i saw offensively i wouldn't be super enthused yeah John Hollinger would disagree with you because I think he has Sengun as the number four prospect on his board. Wow. Um, so he very much loves him as an offensive piece. I think he shot over 80% from the free throw line. 
he wasn't asked to take a lot of threes, but there were occasion. If you watch the highlights, there are occasional ones where he's hitting step backs, nothing but net. Uh, and he also showed a decent ability on the block with footwork up and unders, those sorts of jump hooks. And then he's got a decent feel passing wise as well. I, I agree. I think best case scenario defensively for him, he can kind of get to like a slightly lesser version of Jokic on the defensive end where he's really active with his hands. He knows where to be. He's a good rebounder, but as you noted, yeah, he's six, nine. So he's a little bit shorter than Jokic. I'm not sure on the wingspan, but, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think it would be a, a great outcome if he gets to Jokic's level defensively. Yeah. Um, so for someone like Hollinger to have him in the top five, it's got to be these, this guy's just going to be one of the best offensive bigs in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and frankly, I could see it. I think that's, you know, again, a best possible scenario. Just a really, it's a really narrow path to, to get to that type of value. Yeah. And then, you know, if he say he's like slightly better than DeMontis Sabonis offensively, and then basically a little bit worse than Nikola Jokic defensively, like, is that worthy of a lottery pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd probably invest in a different type of center at that point. Yeah. So that's uh yeah. I obviously loved the tape. I saw at him offensively. I think he, I think he's going to be good offensively as a floor, he's going to be a good offensive player, but yeah, given his defensive limitations. And again, if you're speaking to like, okay, a team that's competing at the highest of levels, he's going to have to be so, so good offensively. Everything's going to have to pan out the three point shooting, the post game, the, the passing, the in-between game, it's all going to have to pan out. So yeah, he's, he's an interesting one. I'm excited to see. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have said that maybe Charlotte with LaMelo ball might draft him and he might be a fun guy to pair with LaMelo. But, uh, the, the next guy that I had that I wanted to talk about, because I, I am much higher on this particular player and that's Davion Mitchell for Baylor six, two guards, six, four wingspan, but has pretty good, uh, um, a, a pretty good build 205 pounds. Uh, He is 23 years old, so there is a limit to sort of his upside. But he, uh, his jump shot sort of reminds me of Kemba Walker a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's got some shiftiness. He's got some straight line speed, and he's you know I think you mentioned this earlier. He's arguably the best on ball defender in this draft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean his strengths offensively pair together really well, really complimentary where, um, you know, he's got that burst that's always going to keep a defender, you know, on their heels. And then he's got such a quick pull-up game. You know, you could argue about uh, the certainty of those numbers, like making the kind of jump that he did percentage wise and his free throw percentage is kind of, you know, stagnant throughout his career in like mid sixties. Um, yeah, but like the film, two, it looks really good. Yeah. He took two big leaps in terms of the three point shooting from, yeah. from, you know, below like around 20% or something to around 30 and then up to 43 or something that he was last year. So yeah, yeah it is, especially as you said, the free throws, it's um, if you're drafting him high thinking he's going to be an offensive 
focal point, uh, you, you've got to really trust that, that outside shot. But I think the form looks solid. Yeah, yeah. I like the mechanics. Um, I think it's, it's fair to believe in that shot moving forward. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, I watched the, the Mike Schmidt's film breakdown with him as well. And he, he knew everything that he was talking about. Like, um, he was explaining it in great detail. Like he's a guy that, um, I think you should be confident in where it's like, if you draft him, you know, he's going to take it like as a job, like as his profession where it's like, okay, so after the game, I'm going to go through film. I'm going to see what I need to do better. Um, what the, or like offensively, what the the opponent's defense was doing, stuff like that. So I think he he's kind of a film junkie, it seems like, um, and I think that's uh, like a good prospect to invest in. Um, I just think there is limited upside in a guy his size. Um, like I, I I love his defense, and I think he's going to be a, and I think he he's actually really good rotationally as well. I mean, I think he's going to be a, a real pest at the point of attack. So, I mean, I really like his game overall. I just think in terms of prospects, there's other profiles I'd, I'd rather invest in. Yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously going to be a straight point guard at his size. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we've seen... I mean, I think, I think he could probably spot up too. So, like, if you have him next to Luka or something, I think that would be... Right. Uh, or, like, next to LeBron or something like that, I think he could be fine uh you know spotting up hitting those shots or like attacking closeouts and making good passes on the move like he's got that to his game um I just don't know if I can trust him being like this pick and roll ball handler even though he's really good throughout the year at Baylor um I think Baylor's spacing I think they had the the best or the second best like three-point percentage as a team um so like he's definitely benefiting from that a lot um so i mean i think he could run a pick and roll every once in a while but i don't know if that's something he's going to be doing a whole lot yeah to me the the floor for him which is why i'm i'm relatively high on him is basically patrick beverly with some more on ball utility Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is a starting caliber player in the nba from day Mm -hmm. one i think but um you know the ceiling is that he can be you know, at the, for a championship level team, maybe a secondary playmaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he's got that capability. So yeah, I, I really like him. And again, a a guy that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people get turned off by these guys that are, you know, three or four year college guys and that they're Mm -hmm. not going to improve much, but it's not necessarily the case. You know, you saw a guy like Jimmy Butler who came in to the NBA at an older age, but made tons of improvements in his NBA career. You saw it with, uh, with Atlanta and DeAndre Hunter, a, a four-year college guy who from year one to year two made massive strides. Mm-hmm. So um, I, uh, I don't, I'm not as turned off by the, uh, the older age, especially if I feel like they're going to be a contributor right out of the gate. So he's, uh, he's, uh, he's somebody that I like. And Speaking of guys that are uh, that are older coming into the league, a couple of guys I wanted to mention, and we can kind of talk about both of these guys at the same time. But uh, Corey Kispert for uh, Gonzaga, as well as Chris Duarte for Oregon, two guys that uh, have decent size. I believe Kispert's six eight, 
and Duarte around 6'7", uh, Duarte around 6'6". And both of these guys seem to be, well, they're, they're, they're arguably the, the top two shooters in this draft. And uh, they, uh, I think, are better athletes than a lot of people are getting, uh, giving them credit for. Uh, I think Kispert showed some, some pretty impressive numbers at the combine athletically. And the, they're going to be guys that can fit a role right out of the gate I would uh, I'd be really pleased if Golden State is able to nab, nab one of these guys with their 14th pick to be a guy that can come off the bench and and play right away. Yeah, and I think that that last point that you made coming in and contributing right away, um, I think you're very likely to get that from these two guys um, just right off the bat, the spacing that they're going to bring um, that like you can't have you can't have enough shooting on the floor. Um, these two guys are, are, are snipers pretty much. Um, Corey Kispert, like, I think he's a guy that's going to not only going to spot up, but he can run off screens too. He'll make the right reads coming off those screens. Um, he'll make fine decisions if needed. Like if, uh, if they stunt at him, or if they send two when he's coming off that, he can just quick drop it off to that roller. Like, I think he's just uh, just a really solid offensive piece um, that I think is going to be super complimentary to wherever he lands. Defensively, I think he's just really sound. Like, he's going to be in the right spots at the right times. Um, is he going to guard, like, every ball handler perfectly? Like, no, but... I think he's going to be very passable on that end um, in that area. And like he even showed a little or like really strong technique uh, using verticality, like coming from the weak side and, and protecting the rim. And that's all you really need to do, like especially when you're six, seven and he's got pretty good bounce, like not incredible, but like pretty good bounce. Um, as long as you're just a body in the way and, and you use verticality and just make the shot difficult, like he's going to do that every time and um Duarte I was like so I didn't watch him a ton um for the first half of the season and then I kind of caught up on him and I was just super impressed with just how consistent he was um like there there were times where like um I was was working games where I'm supposed to like be inputting play-by-play stuff so I'm not focusing on like zooming in on any player and like I didn't really notice him but then like going back and watching those games I was like oh he's just in the right spot all the time like that's why I don't notice him defensively because he doesn't allow um things to happen under his watch or like if if someone he's guarding like they're not getting around him or stuff like that um defensively just like super solid I think always in the right spots always stunting when he needs to stunt um just really strong too, really physical. Um, and then offensively, like you said, he's a, he's a great shooter off the dribble or off the catch. Um, like he's going to provide value immediately right there. And then, you know, he can drive off that too and make good decisions. Like, yeah, just both really solid prospects. I don't think you can really miss. Um, I guess you could argue going for someone with more upside than those two, but like the upside is that, they're probably a quality starter. Right. And 
Yeah, another thing John Hollinger said is in regards to Duarte is, yeah, he's 24. Uh, so, you know, yeah, limited upside there. But basically you should just treat it, if you're selecting him, treat it as if he's a free agent acquisition and you're getting a $10 million a, a year player for $3 million for the next four years. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, as soon as you get into the late lottery and, and into the teens, I feel like that's a worthy, yeah. a worthy play. You just want to hit at that point. Right, exactly. Uh, So just a few more and I'll let you go. So uh, another international big prospect, Uzman Garuba, played, I believe, in the the Spanish League. And he's he's a guy that may be slightly undersized for a traditional center, but really impressive moving his feet. He's He's got a long wingspan, fluid athlete as well. And, uh, you know, the offense is extremely raw. I think with, with a guy like him, you're hoping he gets to average offensively. But I think he's very capable of becoming what, what a lot of contending teams want, which is a center that can just play in the dunker spot, can, can catch lobs, and uh, be that anchor for your defense. I think he's got that capability. Yeah, so he's a guy that I have only seen clips of. Um, so I have not seen like a whole game of Garuba, um, but the clips that I have seen, like his movement skills are just incredible. Um, you talk about how the way he moves his feet, um, his verticality out of that, like he can be backpedaling and then jump into like perfect verticality that way too. Um, he's just super disruptive on the ball. He's able to protect the rim too. Like he's got, he's got it all defensively. Um, just swallowing guys up at times. Um, yeah, but the offense, like I, I've just looked at his um, free throw percentage and it's like in the fifties. Um, so that's really concerning to me, but like as a defensive prospect, like he's got a claim as, as the best defender in the class as well. Yeah. The shot is definitely a work in progress, but mm-hmm. the fact that he even hit, an occasional three when he played is, is, is a sign that maybe it could get there. But, you know, again, if, if he's at the five, I don't know if him making or being becoming an average to above average jump shooter is necessarily a make or break thing for him. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's an intriguing prospect. Just the athleticism and the, the movement is impressive. So, so uh, I'll, uh, I'll mention three point guards here. And uh, I'll let you kind of pick one of them uh, to talk about that you think is, uh, is, is worthy of discussion here. So uh, the, the options are Miles Deuce McBride, Sharif Cooper, or Trey Mann. Mm, I mean, Sharif Cooper was by far the, the most um, extensive notes that I had to take on him because almost every play of his, like every pick and roll that he ran, you could, you know, have five or six notations of little nuanced things that he was doing, um, whether it's setting it, like whether it's with his handle, setting up the screen, coming off it tightly, or like this playmaking out of it, where his anticipation was just, um, yeah, when you talk about Giddy as, you know, potentially being the best passer uh, in this draft, like I think Sharif Cooper has, you know, has an argument for that as well. 
Yeah. I mean, like, I think, I think he's a guy that just right now is an NBA player just by virtue of how he's able to use a screen and play make out of it. You know, even despite not, not having a great a pull-up game from deep or, or even super efficient finishing at the rim, although he did get to the rim a lot. Um, I yeah, think free throw rate, I think he averaged like 8.6 attempts yeah. a game, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's still drawing fouls. He's still, um, you know, scoring the rim at times. Uh, it's just, it's incredible to watch uh, like how many, how many things he's, he's juggling at once. Um, and it's just spatial awareness on his passes. Like he'll throw, he'll throw these lobs just, off off the dribble like where where you throw where he throws it and you're like wait where is this going oh this guy's catching a lob right now like he'll he'll throw things that I don't think his teammates realize they're open before the ball is like coming to them and they're like oh this is for me I'm supposed to dunk this and Auburn had a lot of really athletic guys playing next to him Um, so they were just able to finish shots that way but yeah his playmaking was just absolutely incredible um throughout the year and it was it was like from his first game where like he didn't he didn't start the season playing with Auburn but like um halfway through the season NCAA finally allowed him to play and his first game like he's putting up a double double um just just wildly impressive from him yeah I I really liked him as well just that combination of quickness uh, ball handling passing uh, unafraid of contact at the basket, I think is 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 going to translate well. Uh, believe he was a pretty good free throw shooter as well. Yeah, he was uh, over eighty. Yeah, so that is a positive sign that maybe that three point shot, despite it not going in in college, could develop in the NBA game. Which, yeah, if that happens, then <laughs> he's got a a pretty good arsenal to to go to. Um, as far as I'll just give quick thoughts on uh, that, Miles McBride. I thought he was a terrific, uh, again, kind of like a, a lesser Davion Mitchell, where he, I think he can kind of be in that Patrick Beverly mold in the NBA. And Trey Mann is a guy that uh, I think sort of uh, is also a guy that has good potential as a point guard scorer like Cooper, but uh, kind of does it in very different ways is more of a, a jump shooter and, uh, you know, a uh, kind of a break your ankles type of ball. Yeah, he, he's got really surreal separation ability um, and his, his pull-up skill is, is tremendous. I was watching, so I didn't see a ton um of Trey Manor, I wasn't like super focused on him when I was watching games. Um, but he's a guy that um, I was watching the SEC tournament and I was actually focused more on like Keon and Springer. And like, I think in the first half he had like, you know, three or five points. I'm just like, okay, I'm not, not super impressed with him. And I think he finished with over 30. Oh, because yeah. in the second half he was just hitting all sorts of shots I'm like, oh, this is the prospect that everyone's really hyped about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like his, like he's got the skill, and like if he, you know, as long as he's got that that deep pull up and he's got that separation ability, he's going to be able um, to find counters really well from that. All right. Well, I've got two more prospects that might be more like late first round picks uh, for for us to discuss before I I get you out of here. I appreciate you taking all this time I with can, me. This has I been. Can, 
Yeah, I can talk prospects all day long. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. So the uh, the first one I wanted to bring up is a guy by the name of JT Thor. I heard uh, Tony Jones, a reporter for the Jazz, was was interested in maybe Utah getting him late in the first round as kind of a uh, an option if Gobert is being played off the floor as a guy that can still provide that rim protection but mm-hmm. also switch and defend on the perimeter. He uh, he seems like quite a unique prospect with his length and and quickness. Yeah, so he was he was one of the honorable mentions for my lottery board. Um, I think you could compare him with Kai um, and just with the way, with how fluid his shot looks. Um, again, when I was watching Auburn, I was laser focused on, on Sharif. Um, so I wasn't necessarily taking notes on, on Thor, but like Thor's uh, whole profile, like his size, um, his shooting, his shot blocking, like all of that is, is super tantalizing. Um, Along with his age. Yeah, he's a he's a lefty and he kind of when he shoots, he he sort of twists his body to the side, similar to like a Cameron Payne. Now he doesn't shoot the ball way out in front, yeah. but the way he kind of twists and almost his hip is pointed towards the rim is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think it's something that's that that can't be fixed. Um and he's got to go off of the the touch that he's shown from his shot. Um yeah, I think he's got really high upside and is a guy that I don't think so teams might not have to spend a lottery pick and get a lottery talent when, when picking Thor. Yeah, he's uh, he's really intriguing. And, uh, you know, the NBA is getting more and more into playing small ball and, and guys that can sort of uh, give you what what a traditional center can with the rim protection, the rebounding, the shot blocking, uh, while also not being able to do those guard wing things are, are so valuable. So it it honestly would surprise me looking at his tape if he were to fall to the back end of the first round. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's an intriguing prospect. The final guy I wanted to bring up was, uh, a guy that, you know, I, I am, uh, formerly went to Ohio university. So I, I tend to watch whenever they're in March madness, this is the first time they were in the tournament since 2013. Um, and, uh, the, the, the star player for the Bobcats this season was Jason Preston. He announced he's going to, he's going to enter the NBA draft. And what are your thoughts on him? Cause, uh, you know, I, I heard a, a ton of, a ton of talk about him. He's this fast rising prospect. He was, uh, wasn't even playing on his high school team, I think, till pretty late in his uh, high school career. But uh, in those couple of tournament games, it seemed like his lack of elite athleticism came back to bite him a bit. Yeah, so that was, that was kind of the initial thing that, that I saw from him or saw lacking fr- from him as a prospect was, was the, the burst. But I think with the kind of poise that he plays with, he might not need it. Um, he likes to go to the the post game, and he's an excellent passer out of the post if he if he draws that double. Yes, he's a he's a very interesting playmaker in that sense. Um, the The first game that I I saw of him was against Illinois, where he had Io Desumu like kind of draped all over him the entire time, but he didn't look rattled at all. He would just take his time. 
eventually get IO clipped on a screen, put him in jail, you know, get to his playmaking spots. Um, and I think, you know, in terms of, of being a playmaker, he's, he's one of, uh, he's probably like a top 10 playmaker in this draft class. The problem is the athleticism concerns. Um, and I think, uh, he could do a little bit better, uh, playing off of two feet for his playmaking. He likes to, to leave his feet, like running off of right out of his stride, like leaving the ground and then trying to make a decision from that point. Um, I think that's going to be a little bit dangerous um, against NBA length. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, that could, you know, be a backup point guard with the kind of, composure that he plays with and and yeah I mean I haven't seen like a ton of him but at the at the combine scrimmages he was okay he had some good moments um passing out of the pick and roll I, like I would expect that that's something he would need to have in his game um, without a doubt in order to to play at the next level but yeah I, I don't know if I think I heard some talk about him being like potentially like a late first rounder. I don't see that. Um, I think he's definitely draftable, but um, he would not be like a priority for me. Yeah. My, my biggest issue is, yeah, he's a great passer, but similar to like a Jalen Johnson in the half court is how often is he going to be able to utilize that passing skill and Mm -hmm. to use it? I think he's got to be respected as a scorer. And I question if he will be, you know, again, I, I mentioned he likes to go to the post, but he's he's just six four, um, yeah. and you know he's most of the guys he's going to be posting up are going to be, you know, his size or even bigger. So there's a concern whether you know he's going to be able to draw double teams and he's going to be able to score one on one well enough. But yeah, I uh, I certainly enjoy those stories where a guy kind of comes out of nowhere and is going to. Uh, I think it's safe to say that he'll be drafted at some point in this upcoming draft. But uh, Stuart, this was uh, this was so much fun. I can't thank you enough for for taking the time. This was a blast, and I I very much am I'm looking forward to the NBA draft coming up soon. Yeah, me as well. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review preferably five stars, and uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be... uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine including soccer and film and television so uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week you can find me there you can find my co-host Corbin Ford on Twitter at Corbin NBA that's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A so uh, he uh, he does a does a good job on Twitter as well he's very active I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. 
uh, he uh, he does some some fun work over there. So so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for for listening, and have a great rest of your day.